The Australian Football Video Film Festival podcast is proudly brought to you by LeagueTees.com.au, the retro footy fan gear that makes every week retro round. The League Tees footy shop is packed with footy tees, retro footy jumpers, hoodies, and all things retro footy. That's LeagueTees.com.au. Name the game series from Australian football video. Have you ever bought or rented a videotape that wasn't quite right? Folks, let me warn you. It's bruising, bloody and very much in your face. And we've pulled out stuff that would make a 16-stone wharfie cry. But a hundred minutes of top footy action. Welcome to the 90s, the decade that delivered. It was a 10-year period in football unlike any other this century. The electrifying 80s, the highs and lows of a dynamic decade of football. Over the next two hours, relive some of the most exciting moments in VFL football in the sensational seven. The Peter Hudson story, Dublin's Jim, the story of Jimmy Steins, the road to victory, Collingwood's struggle to the premiership and the year of the rising saints, St Kilda's fight to the 1991 finals. Australian Football Video Film Festival. I'm Dylan Leach. Diamond Dogs. Footscray in 1992. If the greatest jewels are buried deepest, perhaps Footscray, the unfashionable team from the western suburbs, has become the AFL's most treasured gem. On the doorstep of extinction three years ago, the Bulldogs have lifted themselves from an eternal obscurity to inject romance into a game fast becoming thoroughly professional. In 1992, with a coach who refused to yield to the conformity of others, Footscray charged through the home and away season to finish second. They bowed out of the finals race after a gallant campaign, only one step from the grand final. The Bulldogs produced the Brownlow medalist when Scott Wine triumphed, and presented the league with a host of sensational youngsters like Chris Grant, who will take the club into a new and exciting era. 1992 was also the year that skipper Doug Hawkins continued to defy age and injury to further enhance his wonderful reputation. Diamond Dogs looks back at the entire 92 season with special comments from Doug Hawkins on a year that so many ways belonged to the mighty Bulldogs. My reviewer today is Danny McGinlay. Danny, of course, is known for his banner-writing efforts for the Western Bulldogs back in the day. He's a mad Footscray man. And, of course, he is a prominent comedian around Australia. He joins me now to review Diamond Dogs 1992. Sons of the spray, red, white and blue, we'll come out smiling. Bulldogs fight and Bulldogs fight Remember 89 Cause you can't beat the boys of the Bulldog breed 
My guest this week, reviewing the 1992 feature-length film Diamond Dogs, the story of Footscray's season, is none other than Danny McGinlay. Danny, welcome to the Australian Football Video Film Festival. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks for having me. You're right with feature-length. It is, it's two hours and nine minutes, which is longer than most. Uh, it's, you know, it's up there with The Hobbit at it, the moment. It really is. It, it kind of needed a halfway interval. Um, just to like go and have a stretch compared to most football videos. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and it's not like we've got to focus on grand final week or or you know the aftermath celebrations or anything. We just sort of we did sort of limp out of the uh, the finals with a very forgettable prelim uh, performance. But uh, credit credit to them, it is made with the uh, finest budget that Footscray could afford at the time. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was filmed at the ICI, who are our sponsors, uh, their, their offices. There's just a big ICI logo behind Dougie for most of it. Dougie's looking very awkward in the shirt and tie. He uh, looks, I don't think he's worn that since his last court appearance. But uh, this this film was one that I, I watched over and over again. It, I didn't own it on VHS, but it was at my video shop. Uh, so often when we were getting the, uh, I believe it was, you know, five movies for 10 bucks, uh, if I needed another weekly to pad it out, I would just uh, get Diamond Dogs and relive some of the uh, the glory days. One of the things I've noticed in watching Diamond Dogs uh, 92 is not only is it a feature-length two-hour epic, but there's no narrator. It's purely just the highlights and then Dougie giving his take on the game. Now, I, I like that. I prefer that to uh, to when there's a, a narrator sort of giving spoilers away because a lot of time you don't remember, uh, you know, the, the exact details of a match. And you so you see, you know, for instance, the Bulldogs are playing, uh, you know, the, the Crows and you go, hang on, I remember this being a good one. Now, what's this? And I like seeing the play sort of uh, uh, come out. And, uh, and one thing they do in Diamond Dogs, which I'm very grateful for, is they put the scores of the match at the end of the highlights. So many... Uh, sports uh, DVDs, VHSs, uh, ruin it by putting the the score. And this is more annoying in a soccer one, but uh, I'll often uh, watch. Uh, uh, my team is Celtic in uh, in Europe, and they'll just put you know Celtic three Rangers nil at the start of the highlights. I'm like, oh, I'd rather not know how many goals are about to happen and, and get excited about it all. Take us back to the 1992 season as a Footscray fan because, what, it's three years after the club nearly went bust with the whole Fitzroy Bulldogs merger, uh, and now they're back at the top of the town. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I turned 10 in 1992, and I'd only been a Bulldogs fan a couple of years. Um, I, we, my parents are migrants to Australia, and um, I didn't really have a team. I sort of chopped and changed between... A few clubs. Our, our family. My dad goes for Carlton because the he the first day he arrived in Australia, uh, he tried to buy a beer at a at a pub in Preston where we lived, and uh, the guy couldn't understand his Glasgow accent. And uh, and thankfully there was a, a guy next to him at the bar who could understand dad and facilitated dad ordering a beer. Um, through through the bartender and dad and uh, and the guy made conversation. Dad was very grateful, saying thanks, mate. I've just arrived in Australia. I don't know how to how, how to, you know how to talk. How people understand. And the guy said, no worries, mate. Hey, what footy team do you go for? And dad said Celtic. And he goes, no. And the guy said, no, no. What real footy team? And dad said, <laughs> you pay for my beer. I'll buy, I'll go for your team. And from that, and like dad just locked in. Like that guy went for Carlton. Yep. So dad will never 
change from Carlton. He is a man of his word. And so um, a few, and that, that, that man actually became my godfather. We, we oh, wow. became firm friends. Uh, so we were, we were a Carlton family, but I, we also got uh, a whole bunch of, um, we would get clothes from like care packages through the pack, through the, the, the parish. Um, so I would get hand-me-down jumpers and so I, I had a Richmond jumper at one stage. I had a Collingwood jumper. I had a Carlton jumper. I never, never, so I just chopped and changed between teams. At one stage, uh, I had a good two months where I supported the Brisbane Bears because my my mum's mum and all of family had moved out to Australia as well, and they lived in Brisbane, and we'd gone up to visit them there, and I thought Brisbane was this magical place. So I went for the Bears for two months. And then, of course, once football season started, I realised they were terrible. Uh, and I go for the Bulldogs because... I asked mum to finally get me my own footy jumper. I wanted a brand new one, not a not a hand-me-down. And mum went to Kmart at Northcote Plaza and saw that the Bulldogs one was like five bucks cheaper than the rest and I've been a dog ever since. So thanks <laughs> thanks to Kmart's pricing, you are a Footscray fan. So it, it's because of Kmart exactly. you're for the Bulldogs. Bet you love your VFL-approved sweat top from Kmart. No. Hmm. Well, what about your VFL-approved tracksuit pants? No. Your footy jumper? No. Footy shorts? No. Well, you must like your plush, Ruckle. No. Why on earth not? I'd bag for Essendon. Whatever team you barrack for, you'll find all the footy gear you need at Kmart and Super Kmart. Thanks. That is the butterfly effect that uh, <laughs> if they hadn't discounted that one jumper, I never would have written the banners. We never would have won in 2016. Yeah. Uh, it's just... It's weird how how time works, but um, so that was in 1990, right? When so I missed all of the fight back and stuff. I mean, I was only like seven years old anyway. So I started going from in 1990. We just missed finals. 91, we were average. I think we finished like tenth. This was the first year of um, the Bulldogs being good, like really good. Mm. And so, but I was in you know prime football loving obsession as a kid like you know it was a, your footy cards footy stickers yeah uh you know grabbing uh the age every saturday to see who the writers had tipped and because that's all there was back then there was no you know fox footy and no you know uh podcasts or you know you just got little snippets of of footy media but you drank in every single one of those and yeah so it was it was generally exciting i remember first first round we beat um uh the crows and i was at a uh we were at some sunday afternoon barbecue and uh it was it wasn't on tv it was on tv on delay and i just assumed we would lose to the crows in adelaide and uh, yeah, suddenly word came through that we were winning. Yeah. And so I rushed to the team and watched the replay and it was genuinely, it was, it was like, it's sort of, you know, at that age, it was the equivalent of Christmas coming early. It was just like, oh, oh, we, we win. This is so huge. I, I want yeah, to pick you up on this Adelaide game, this round one Adelaide game. We've got the two hour feature length film, Diamond Dogs 1992. <laughs> yes. Did they put it in the highlights? Bafflingly, no. It was on Channel 7. I remember watching it on delay. It's on YouTube. And yet there is no footage of it. No. Is it? Yeah, it is too. Yeah, the, 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 your, your channel has showed it. Yeah. Uh, it's not in the best quality on, on YouTube. But, yeah, you could show this, this game. This video has some baffling omissions for, for some of the, the matches. I mean, some of them make sense because Channel 7 back in the day didn't cover every single game. Games would be skipped. 
But there are games yeah. that Footscray won that are, that were covered on television that didn't make the cut. Yeah, like the Brisbane Bears don't make an appearance in this video at all, and I think we played them twice. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's very and like the when we played them at would have been Carrara back then. Mm. That definitely would have been on TV. Yeah, you played the, was, you played them you know, at Carrara in front a... of three thousand and fifty nine people in round nine. Oh, wow, I wonder how many of them paid as well. <laughs> that that's probably the I think Robert Walls tells the story of. Uh, when he was Brisbane Bears yeah, coach McDonald's. and went to McDonald's and got offered free tickets, that would be yeah. that would be a free tickets match. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But how much? Still, I don't know if anyone else has this fantasy, but uh, I have my main fantasy that's uh, that's you know fit for broadcast is I would love to get a time machine and just go back and go to those games and just <laughs> just live. Life as a as a grown adult living early nineties footy, I would go to all the suburban grounds. I would, oh man, it would just be so good. Imagine, and, and I have this theory that pies were bigger back then. I know I was littler and my hands were littler, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure pies were bigger and they were tastier. And beer and I would cans. Just, I would love a week. Uh, beer in cans, yeah. yes. And I would, I, would, I swear. If you give me a weekend in 1902, I would I would try and find the one where I could go to Windy Hill, go to Moorabbin, yep. uh, go to you know wherever I could. That would just be the best holiday because, for me. Because it feels like uh, this was a proper Footscray season because not only are they called Footscray still, but they're playing at the Western Oval. Yes. They're playing at Suburban Grounds. You've got Doug Hawkins. Um, it's still... I mean, I, the club still is a proper working-class club, but this is fair dinker because this is also being played during a recession. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, politically, we're at the coming. We're in, we're in about the we're in the second half of uh, Labor. Paul Keating's prime minister at this stage. Mm. Joan Kerner is premier of Victoria, but she's about to get uh, whomped mm. by Jeff Kennett. Uh, so yeah, thing. This is this still in the recession we had to have. Yes, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's still. The, I'm I'm pretty sure it is the recession we had to have. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Right, and why did we have to have that? You know more about politics than me. We just had to have it. Just, you know, Paul was looking at the numbers and said, let's just get it over and done with like a Band-Aid, you know, just rip it off. Can you do that? Can you just start a recession? Is that, I mean, we're probably about to find out post-COVID-19, but, uh, (laughs) you know. But, but, you know, Footscray is still a very working-class town. There's no gentrification. There's no 8-bit burgers opening in Footscray at this stage. (laughs) No, it's pretty much just uh, Bogans and Vietnamese restaurants at this stage. <laughs> it's uh, we probably probably haven't even got the first of the uh, the Sudanese uh, migrants yet. So it's still any. Uh, I think a Romper Stomper had just come out, and yeah. famously uh, the main character wore a Footscray, uh, I think uh, hat at one stage in that film. So we were still regarded as as a very rough. Uh, team, you know, Romper Stomper's not our proudest uh, media moment. Obviously, our proudest media moment is Degrassi Junior High when Wheels, yes, wheels yes. is battlingly wearing a Footscray jump. Does anyone see that's a podcast that someone should do a serial oh. style podcast on how the hell that happened? It does remain a baffling mystery. I think it's a bit similar to how maybe it's maybe it's a similar circumstance to how you were wearing Carlton and Richmond hand me down jumpers, just somehow a charity Footscray jumper uh, being ended up in Canada and Wheels is wearing it. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, it's going to take hours of research, but it's going to be worth getting to the bond with that one. Um, yeah. If I can go back to Diamond Dogs, our uh, feature film oh, right. yeah, in uh, focus, <laughs> I love I love some of Dougie's insights because um, he's very confident 
And then every time he gets confident about something, it just goes to waste and it just doesn't happen. Like, uh, for instance, I've noticed at the start of the video, Dougie mentions that Footscray wants to win the Fosters Cup. So leading up to the, uh, to the night games, we set ourselves a goal of winning the night grand final. I think we made it uh, known to all the uh, football media and, and the public that we're going to win the grand final. Um, we failed. We got knocked out by Adelaide uh, in the second round. Uh, we beat Melbourne in the first round, which was a good effort. Then Adelaide knocked us out in the second round. Uh, so our uh, our um, comments about winning the grand final come unstuck. So it was a bit of a neg in the face, really, to be totally honest to you. But anyway, um, we regrouped and we're looking forward to our first day game. And then he's yeah. like, we're going to go play West Coast in Perth. We really fancy our chances. Oh, no, we just get belted. Well, against the Eagles, um, I suppose... For the first time, we've gone over there with a little bit of confidence. We've always sort of gone over there and, you know, wanting to win, but knowing the back of our minds is going to be very tough because we've always seemed to struggle over there. But this time, we have gone over there with that bit of confidence. Um, it was quickly knocked out of us in the first quarter when they kicked eight or nine goals. <laughs> he also, uh, I like how it, it starts the video with with him saying, yeah, we're going to win the Fosters Cup, uh, which it, also, that, there's a hark back when people cared about the Fosters Cup. Uh, to, you know the preseason competition, whatever it's I, it's called now. I reckon it makes sense back then because not only all the teams would be because you'd get on television, so you could sell memberships and give hope. So it was it was kind of a good marketing mechanism back then. Yeah, actually, you've just reminded me of uh, of an image that I that that's I've just got a flashback to yeah. '92, the first Fosters Cup game. I think we play Melbourne now. Mm. You you sound like you've got stats in front of you. Do we do we yeah, play you, Melbourne you play, and beat you, them quite yeah, easily? Yeah, you play Melbourne at Waverley and win comfortably. Yes, you win by about forty points. Okay, so clearly, I remember that. I remember that watching that match and being excited that we won. But clearly, the membership pack that you got that day included a fluoro yellow cap because every Bulldogs fan I remember seeing was wearing this bright yellow fluoro cap and it was quite striking to see but I remember just being sort of I remember my school at the time had a a, an optional it it had a hat with Whale Street Primary School but it was the same fluoro yellow and I remember thinking I'm going to wear my Whale Street hat so people think people know that I'm a Bulldogs fan uh, with that, okay. anyway, that I hadn't thought about that in in twenty two years. Twenty oh god, how long is this? Twenty eight so, years. Twenty eight years, even yeah. Um. So and then uh, anyway, the, I just remember that. But you don't go on to win the Fosters Cup. And the other thing too, because it, it's kind of topical. Who do we lose to? Uh, you lost to Adelaide, and it, it, it's kind of topical. I Not mean, typical. Adelaide at Waverley, um, and it. Uh, it's kind of topical, speaking of Adelaide, because Dougie also mentions a pre-season camp. It started off um, a little bit different to the other years. Um, uh, Terry Wheeler's introduced us to these training camps. Um, first one was at Watsonia, which was over a, a weekend. And then we progressed to the Yuyangs, where we stayed overnight one night. It was a three-day a three camp, but we stayed overnight for the one night. Um, then we progressed to a place called Mount Bogon, which is way up in the mountains, mate. It's miles and miles away. And uh, it was totally a different approach I've had since I've been at Footscray. And um, it did work. I mean, it was a great a great experience for all of us guys. I must admit, I've never been camping. Um, a lot of the older guys never been camping too. And some of the some of the younger guys too had never been camping. So um, it was a great experience for all of us. Um, really, the, the basic idea was to get us as a team together, as a unit, all in one. And um, uh, Terry would have done a great job in that area. 
So, yeah, yeah, he brags about this. We go to Watsonia and Mount Bogong. <laughs> but he's he's talking it up like it's like we're playing at uh, you know, NASA. Yeah. This is real cutting edge stuff. A little trip to Watsonia for a training drill. <laughs> oh no, it was a camp. A camp? Mate, we had to we, we got to there was a camp. We stayed out in Watsonia, mate. The glory of of uh, of, of Greensboro Heights. <laughs> And Mount Bogong, uh, I don't even know where that is. I know it's I know it's the highest mountain in Victoria, but I wouldn't know how to how to drive there. But uh, yeah, no, I, I like that. I that I, that's that's adorable. You know, that shows uh, not only you know footy at the time, but also Footscray. <laughs> like I'm sure at this stage, Collingwood were doing you know trips to at least Queensland, yeah, or uh, you know interstate places. But we were. I remember there's, a, a there's joke no... me and my mate used to do. Every, every start of every season, uh, when you're watching the Fosters Cup, uh, you would uh, there would be the ads to you know become a member for the clubs, and uh, you know Collingwood would be you know double o double five go pies, and Carlton would be you know one nine o two, and then the Footscray would come out and it'd be just you know, like nine six eight two four, yeah. and it'd be a landline number and call during and business hours. Oh <laughs> well, no, call after business hours and ask for Dave. <laughs> His wife answers the phone first. Yeah, <laughs> it'll probably be us for Peter, us for President Gordon. <laughs> we'll take it details. Uh, it, it's a fa- it, it, the '92 preseason because Dougie is. You, you talk about what the other clubs were doing in '92 uh, for preseason. Dougie mentions that you know they're off at Watsonia, but um, that's also the same year the Crows did the firewalking. <laughs> Ten steps, nine metres, burning coals generating 600 degrees Celsius. Volunteers weren't called for. Nigel Smart was pumped up and raring to go. Rushed back to the Crows' camp, Smart wasn't looking comfortable. Serious burns to his feet. Well, I'm not really worried that I, I got through OK. Just um, a couple of little burns on the way, so it's no big deal. Officials later admitted they had made a mistake. Yeah, Nigel, not so smart there. Uh, walked over the, the hot coals and I remember seeing that on the news and, yeah, wasn't he out for 12 weeks yep. with Burns? 12 weeks. Um, and there's... What? Who was that coach then, Graham Corn? Yeah. How did he allow that to happen? I've heard I've heard stories where Cords was just so old school, you know, they would do the long they would go for a marathon type run with no water in the heat of summer and then they'd do the fire walking and they're all chanting, We can do it, we can do it, it's gonna be safe. And uh, uh I don't know. And now they can't even handle being in a bus with yellow and black being played. <laughs> I wouldn't have any objections to that, but uh that's because of my persuasion. <laughs> oh, but you know, but in saying that, the trip to Mount Bogon and, you know, hanging out in Greensboro for a couple of days did Footscray a world of good because it led them to having a fantastic season. Yeah. There's also a story of Terry Wheeler um, making all the boys go skydiving. I'm not sure if it was this season or, or the next year in 93. It must have been 93 because Dougie would have mentioned it. It might not have had the same impact as firewalking, but as a preseason preparation... Terry Wheeler's decision to take his players skydiving won the 1993 award for novelty. At least he provided his men with the murky depths of Port Phillip Bay as a soft landing zone. 
93. Yeah, I mean, if you you look at at the end of this season, uh, there's if you look at the there's uh, famous uh, footage of the boys and their Mad Monday after we got thumped in the prelim, and they're all just talking about we have to make the grand final in '93, and we didn't even make finals in '93. It was a, a very disappointing. And that's going to be the big test that uh, whether we can go on in '93, and uh, I mean we, we've really got to make the grand final next year, and it's going to be a big test on us for the preseason. We've we've just got to work towards you know '93 grand final. Maybe it inspired uh, Martin Flanagan to write Southern Star, uh, Southern Sky, the book following Footscray that year. He thought, oh, I'm going to get them. I am going to get them in their premiership year. Yeah, that is a fantastic book, uh, Southern Sky, Western Oval. It's, uh, it's yeah, Martin Flanagan's a national treasure. Oh, All absolutely. of his books should be just mandatory for everyone. You reckon it should be in the school curriculum, uh, year 12 texts on Southern Sky, Western yeah. Oval? And when he wrote his follow-up, um, what's it called? A Wink from the Universe about the 2016 Premiership. He he interviewed it. He interviewed me for it. We chatted for about an hour. We had lunch together, and uh, and he I was just starstruck. But uh, man, if you you know how Martin Flanagan when he writes about someone, they always sound so good. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember reading about myself in Martin Flanagan's words and just going, "Oh, who's this guy? I like." Oh, he just pumps you up so much. I, I would have gone out and kicked ten goals in a grand final just reading that. Um, I think there's been a few attempts uh, over the years to document uh, the Footscray Football Club slash Western Bulldogs because not only is there Diamond Dogs, uh, the one we're, we're talking mostly about today, um, there's Wolf 1997, the uh, story, yes. Terry Wallace telling that story. There's Hot Dogs 94. Uh, and, of course, there there's Year of the Dogs, uh, that famous film. Year of the Dogs in 96. There was one in 98 as well Yeah, uh, where I can't remember what that's called. I have that on DVD, but I can't remember what it's called. But, yeah, we, we love a video. Yeah. And not bad for so a club. Year of the Dogs. Not a- bad for a club up until recently, you know, only had a newsreel of a grand final. Yeah, that's right. Although it's, uh, it's I know this is a punchline often on uh, Australian Football Video Film Festival, uh, but at least we don't have the 10-disc box set of the winning streak of 2004. <laughs> Nothing will ever top the St Kilda winning streak of 2004. How many Saints fans at the moment, while there's been no footy, have been going, you know what, let's, let's get around and watch the streak. Let's just have an absolute marathon of the winning streak. Man, well, it's it's I, I, it. You would watch that, although it doesn't end in a premiership. Mm. Um, Saints fans have nothing else to watch, mm. so you do sort of watch those in a bittersweet way when you when you're starved of premiership success. You did get uh, Ansett Cup grand now finals. I don't really... You did get Ansett Cup grand finals released on video. That's right. I've got twenty. 20- 10 uh, where we beat the Saints uh, on on DVD and I remember just thinking this might be the only time I see the Bulldogs win silverware yeah I, I recall being there that night was... and the Dogs fans made the most of it oh yeah I yeah I missed it actually I was on a plane from uh, I had a gig in Adelaide but uh, it was I remember actually going along to the VFL grand final of 2014 yep where we knocked off Box Hill. And we only knocked them off because they took Cyril Rioli off the ground in the last quarter and we overran them. Uh, but I remember like me and my mate were acting as if, uh, you know, we were saying, hey, we're watching Footscray win a grand final. This is huge. I saw some guys get thrown out because they were so drunk and emotional. <laughs> this is We had no idea. We just assumed, you know, we're yeah. never going to get there. So it's, yeah, it's... God, it, it really St Kilda fans and and Demons fans uh, who've not seen a grand final, it it does break. You, you, your your drought does break, and it changes your whole life.
From Australian football video comes the most exciting footy decade ever, the electrifying 80s. See the marks and the sparks, the tragic and the magic, the misses and the kisses, the preacher and the creature, the flyers and the messiahs, the sneaks and the cheeks, the cunning stunts and the stunning punts. See the thrills, the spills, the skills and the deals. The electrifying 80s, the perfect gift for that special footy sickness. Let me take some time out to uh, talk about our sponsors here at the Australian Football Video Film Festival. That is, of course, the mighty, the legendary, the myth. It's not a myth. It actually does exist. LeagueTees.com.au. I'm just having a look at some of the great gear that uh, Anthony Costa at League Tees has for sale. Um, if you love Sandy Roberts, if you love pigs, and if you love Plugger, you can get There's a Pig on the Ground in a T-shirt. If you're a fan of West Side and gangster stuff, you can get a West Coast Eagles t-shirt saying We Run WA with that sort of gangster writing that all the cool kids are into. I'm sure kids in WA love that stuff. If you believe that North have courage, get it as a hoodie. If you're a fan of the Tetley Tigers, you can get it as a tee. If you think Hawthorne were better off being the Mayblooms, you can get that as a tee. And if you believe there should be no merger... You better believe they've got a badge for that. It's all available. It's footy gear for the real footy fan at leagetees.com.au. That's leagetees.com.au. Um, to go back to the 92 uh, season, our film in focus, of course, yes. Diamond Dogs 92. <laughs> Um, not, yeah, sorry, I'm not great at staying on focus. No, sorry. no, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this chat. Um, some of the standouts from that season was a small forward by the name of Danny Delray. Perhaps as much as anybody, Delray typifies the ethnic origins of modern-day Footscray. While the name is French, 24-year-old Danny was born in Australia of Italian parents. However, it was always Aussie rules that attracted him, not, as you might expect, soccer. His ambition was simple. To play league footy at one, and uh, Terry gave me the option to train. Terry Willie gave me the option to train. Uh, pre-season training, he said, see how you go, make the draft, and uh, we'll take it from there. And the Bulldogs did. Tell us about Danny Delray, because he appeared to be the absolute superstar of Footscray that season. Man, he, yeah, and it's one of those, he, he, he was part of the team for about another two years. We got him from Williamstown. Terry Wheeler uh, brought him over. And he just, yeah, absolutely dominated that year. And I got his number on my back because uh, we had the same first name and he was so exciting. And, uh, yeah, and he didn't, didn't really rise to those heights. So he's sort of a, a I don't want to say one season wonder because I loved watching him in the other other times, but he never really, that was his definite uh, peak. And, and he was also just so Footscray. He had the great, you know, Italian name and great Italian features. And he just, he just kicked a lazy eight goals in a losing qualifying final. He was an absolute superstar. And it's almost it almost adds to his mythology that he never that he never dominated uh, a season again. But I do love uh, if you type in Danny Delray uh, into Google and you know, the algorithm doesn't know you're a Footscray fan. It says, "Do you mean Danny Delray, spelled R A Y, who is a cabaret singer from Florida?" <laughs> do you reckon there'd be uh, people Australian tourists that have seen Danny Delray go? Oh, is that what he's up to now? 
<laughs> no, but I've just added to my bucket list. I think when I when I record my Degrassi Junior High uh, podcast and I inevitably have to fly over to Canada to meet Wheels, um, I'm going to stop by Florida and go see Danny Del Rey do a show. And I'm going to... Wear your Footscray jumper, get Danny his autograph. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's a great yeah. idea. I'll present him with an old Footscray jumper. Oh, this is a great... <laughs> what a great trip this is going to be. And a copy of Diamond Dogs 92 so he can watch himself in action. Yes, he's a hero. <laughs> uh, I know Danny Del Rey, the footy player, now lives on the Gold Coast and runs a um, food delivery uh, business of like uh, to delivering to restaurants and stuff. I got to meet him once, and he was an absolute champion. So I, I genuinely get excited watching uh, Danny Del Rey uh, on there. Also, uh, when I noticed when I watched these, there's some familiar names playing for the Bulldogs, but they're not familiar faces. Right. Rowan Smith oh, uh, is wearing yes. number thirty-one. Steve Kolonyuk is wearing number 21. Now, you, you think you know what those guys look like, but they're both young and the head of hair. Rowan on those Smith's two men, mullet. Steve Kolonyuk. Rowan Smith's mullet. It's not only just a mullet. It's <gasps> like a bouffant mullet. It's genuinely spectacular. It's it's He looks like a toothbrush. It's fantastic. Um, and Kolonyuk, he, he, this is pre-emo being a thing, but he's got the 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 slick dark fringe going on. That's just it's go on, go find this on YouTube, folks, and just 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 for the hair. And the other thing too, you've got uh, a young Chris Grant in number twenty nine. Yeah, I, well, see, I I still remember him as number twenty nine. He wore twenty nine for a while. It was good, I think, up until like possibly ninety five, ninety six, when he mm. finally turned to change to number three. But uh, yeah, but even Dougie says in the um, whenever he talks about Chris Grant, calls him the Rolls Royce. That's Just right. uh, they all knew they were going to have a very special player uh, in Chris Grant, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I. I now look at Chris Grant and just go, oh, you mean Izzy Grant's father? Did he play for us? Did he? Oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> I like it. How good is the father-daughter rule? Thank goodness for that. It's yeah, it's it's, it's going to be it's very good. Daisy Pierce uh, might be the first uh, play because she had, she oh, oh, she had twin boys. I keep for some reason I keep thinking Daisy Pierce had a boy and a girl. I don't know why my brain thinks that, but to I, have a, a mother-daughter and a mother-son rule coming in would be the oh. first person to, whoever gets that the first wins. the first mother son player would be a fascinating prospect that is really exciting it, it is yeah it's <laughs> i mean probably by that stage by the time we have a mother and son player yeah footy will be a bit more americanized and we'll play music after each game but i hope when that when that boy kicks a goal they play mother and son theme you know that old sitcom <laughs> To go back to uh, the the other players around in Footscray's 1992 season that also stand out for me um, is Scott Wind, who actually doesn't feature that much in the video, despite the fact he won the Brownlow Medal. <laughs> yeah, well, it's hard when you're doing a highlights reel. It's you know, there's not you know, tap outs aren't really you know the, the most spectacular thing to to show there. What I genuinely love is uh, Scott Wine's name is mispronounced by commentators for the first half of the year and by Dougie. Yes, at times calls him Scott Wind. Not only is there Scott Wind, Scott Wind, you got obviously Dougie Hawkins who's still at his peak. Um, we've mentioned Danny Del Rey. We've mentioned. The, Colin York, Chris Grant, and Rowan Smith and his luscious mullet. Another player that um, stands out is Simon Adkins, 
Um, we've mentioned him earlier, but he has had an eventful 1992 season. And again, it's not really picked up in the video, but in the game against Fitzroy Adkins, at Prince's Park, Adkins has 46 touches and two goals. Even for these days, yeah, that is phenomenal. Back when possessions meant a lot more. He was leading for two years, 92 and 93, he led the league for disposals, uh, but never did that well in the Brownlow camp, which was uh, surprising. Simon Atkins was absolutely uh, a legendary uh, uh, player. That's, yeah, but when I watch it, I, I you just get nostalgic for these players, even little ones like, uh, um, you know, Steve McPherson's on there, Keenan uh, Reynolds, Barry Stanfield's. Uh, even a young Liam Cameron is in there. There's uh, And there's fathers of uh, current Dogs players in there. You've got uh, Steve Wallace, Mark Hunter in there. It's you ju- it, it only takes like – I was halfway through the, the first match that they show on here. It's round two against St Kilda. I'm going, this was my favourite Bulldog side ever. We were just so good. I loved us so much. Yeah. Thing that we'd won a premiership uh so that team <laughs> really should be my favorite but it's man it just yeah harks back to your to your youth and everything but but also little things that aren't that a part of the microcosm of 1992 but they've they've forgotten about like there's footage of us beating the swans in sydney and halfway through it and we do it very easily and i remember wow, we beat the Swans in Sydney. That must have been huge. And then they had to remember, no, that was standard back right. then. Sydney, Sydney were terrible. Sydney made the Gold Coast Suns look good back then. Yeah. And, and they had those um, behind the, the goals on the left of screen, there was always that group of pensioners yes. who uh, were always smiling and, and happy. I hope I hope that they're, I mean, this is what, as we said, 28 years ago, and they were pretty old then. I hope they all got to see 2005 because they were very loyal fans. And they were very much part of the fabric of the SCG, the oldies behind the goals, including the day Plugger tried to murder yeah. them. <laughs> That's right. I remember that. He kicked the ball right in there. <laughs> it, was, it was odd. I'm also just, I'm just looking at my mo- notes now, Dylan. Um, we beat North Melbourne on Easter Saturday, which is – there's no footage of that game, which really annoyed me because that was the first game I went to that year. We didn't go to, to many games just because Dad – uh, mum and dad, you know, didn't really care, but I mm. managed to talk dad into taking me to beat North Melbourne at the MCG uh, on Easter. And we're playing North on Easter Saturday, so close. And a tradition was not born. So I got in here. We did play the Crows at Waverley again okay. during the regular season. Waverley? What? Yeah, what? In what right mind? Would you schedule a match between Footscray and Adelaide at Waverley? You can't get a further. The only. Like I think Cadinia Park is closer to Footscray yeah. than Waverley. It's in the far eastern suburbs. Why the hell would you do that? There's some strange scheduling. And speaking of scheduling, because Footscray were uh, starting to become a hot ticket item, this was in the days where teams still had their suburban grounds, uh, games were being shifted. So the Bulldogs actually shifted a home game from the Western Oval to the MCG against Carlton which they lost, but I think, or did they win or did they lose that one? I can't remember. But um, Uh, I think we won that one, but we we lost to him at Princess Park later. Yeah, I think Dougie spoke about it being a good experience and good to get a a good dress rehearsal for where they wanted to be. But uh, there's a two-week block uh, in the middle part of the season, round 14 and round 15, 
um, where they play Collingwood at a shifted game from Victoria Park to the MCG, which actually caused a bit of a ruckus yep. amongst Collingwood at the time because the legend has it, Alan McAllister threatened to boycott it. The uh, Collingwood president at the time, <laughs> Alan McAllister. Yeah, well, well, he was probably just upset. I don't know because uh, <laughs> because I don't know. Did we have an Aboriginal player? Because uh, <laughs> Alan McAllister famously was not a fan of uh, uh, that. He was he. I mean, we complain about Eddie. Eddie's Eddie's a pretty good uh, president for Collingwood, considering what's come uh, mm. uh, before. So yeah, I don't know what did did he uh, boycott or was he just uh, no, the- Plan up the us versus them thing of Collingwood. Uh, I'm, I have no doubt it was a bit of us versus, versus them because the Pies ended up winning by one goal. The Persistent Pies, that was the other video of 1992, Persistent Pies. Uh, but uh, your persistent boy... Persistent Pies. Yeah, Persistent Pies. Is uh, it, the only worst title could be the Punctual Pies. They were never <laughs> late for a match. <laughs> the story of Collingwood's punctuality in 1992, as told by Lee Matthews. <laughs> 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 and then uh, Del, uh, your boy Danny Delray kicks five in that game. Uh, and then the following week, so yes. Footscray find themselves in another 1v2 match in round 15 down at Cadinia Park against the Cats. And I want to bring this up with you, Danny, because I've actually noticed the banner from the game um, is is kind of like someone sending a tweet these days. And, of course, banners being a expertise of your, yourself, given uh, your history writing them for the football club. This was the banner in the lead-up yep. to the Round 15 match against Geelong at Cadinia Park, and it reads as follows. We'll play the Cats anywhere, anytime, but this is a case of double standards. And it's just listed with ICI logos and, for some reason, the AFL logo in the middle of it. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think the AFL logo's on there, so they know who the message is. I mean, who would have made that decision? Would that have been the Cats not moving the game or would that have been the AFL not moving the game? Uh, I don't know how these things worked back in the day, but it appeared some clubs nominated to shift, some didn't, and then it got very political. So it's obviously not really an issue in Victoria now because there's a duopoly of grounds. Um, but uh, this was yeah. quite heated stuff back then to sacrifice home games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely. I, I, it's. I can't even fathom it happening now. They're moving a game for for just because they wanted a, a bigger crowd and whatnot. Uh, I'm just looking at that banner now because you did send it to me. I'd never seen it before. I'm quite proud of it. Uh, the club having a go with uh, with. Uh, I love a bit of. Uh, I love a narky banner. That's yeah. always good fun. Uh, I mean, but I'm also just looking at it, going, oh, I could, I could make a rhyme out of that. Come yeah. on, guys, you don't have to. <laughs> it's <laughs> play the, uh, we'll play the cats anytime, anywhere. About your double standards, we don't care. Come on, that's yeah, all you need. Exactly. Just chuck that in there. Come on. Oh, it's a real shame. You should go again if you could go back in time to 1992 and watch some Footscray games as an adult. I'm sure you could get in touch with the cheer squad at banner making on the Thursday night prior to that game to get it up. Yeah, I mean, back in these days was when the cheer squad themselves came up with the messages. So yeah, they were a that's why they why they were a lot more narky then. And and as we said, not every game was uh, broadcast then, so you could get some banners that were you know safe for work, and that's where you got uh, legendary ones like that uh, Fitzroy one that says you know lick them pussies yes. uh, on there, which is so wrong because uh, it's got a it's got a it's got an erroneous apostrophe i always hate the grammar of that yeah one. it's just terrible uh, of course there was that fitzroy banner in their last season against collingwood which is just brutal but i think a great reflection of the time that, uh, seduced by north uh, raped by brisbane and and fooled by the AFL. 
that yeah, one. Okay. Yes, indeed. Um, so it's a bit of a tough to go back to the games themselves. It's a bit of a tough period. It's not. It's it's, it's a it's an intense two weeks because the dogs lose by one goal to Collingwood, and then they go down by nine points to the Cats. And uh, I think in the reflection on the game, Doug Hawkins sort of just. Uh, points out that a young Michael Frost may have cost them the game. Thinking back to the game in that last quarter, young Michael Frost taking a mark in the forward pocket on his wrong foot and trying to do a screw kick and, and kick the point, which probably would have put us 10 points in front. Not blaming the kid, but... <laughs> yeah, it's a very gentle throwing under the bus, but it is still a throwing under the bus uh, in there. Michael Frost uh, missed one goal early in the last quarter, which was... 10 points up, which Dougie does point out. And then Mark Bairstow slams on a, a couple of goals. Uh, I do remember those games. Uh, I had to listen to both of them on the on the radio. And they were sort of, yeah, I'm pro, pro, there must have been tears after one or possibly both uh, uh, for them. Um, but, yeah, they... It's, so about Diamond Dogs is they show Mark Bairstow's winning goal in that. At no point yeah, at any other... Uh, at any other time during the movie, um, do they show the opposition kicking a goal? But for some reason, they've chucked in Bairstow's uh, winning goal just to add salt to the wound. I think that's in 97's Woof as well. They show Darren Jarman's uh, really? last goal uh, in the prelim. And oh. I think that's actually fine because no self-respecting Footscray fan is watching the end of that DVD. They usually They finish. could have put hardcore pornography <laughs> from the, you know, they could just could have just finished with Debbie does Dallas outtakes and no one would have noticed because no one has watched that far. So basically is that when you're watching to go to that title, Wolf 1997, when you go to Wolf and it's like preliminary final graphic comes up, everyone just knows to press stop. It's like, well, we've seen it, don't need any more. Yeah, we just turn it off. We just turn it off. No yep, one even yep. knows. For all I know, can. it's got uh, Zapruder's. Which proves that JFK killed himself, but we just don't know. <laughs> uh, that's great. Hey, continuing on to the 1992 video, um, there's a couple of things I quite enjoy watching. There's the round 17 game against St Kilda, which actually happens to be the second last game at Moorabbin that was actually televised. The last one at Moorabbin oh, wasn't it? televised, ah. but uh, Footscray has a 13 point win and. Uh, it's a clash of the full forward Titans with Plugger kicking six at one end and uh, Danny Delray five at the other. Oh, man, see, I get so annoyed when people talk about the great full forwards of the 90s. It's always, you know, Lockett, mm. Ablett, Dunstall. No one says Delray. I mean, just, you know, per capita, pound for pound, just the best. And also quite clearly the most handsome and with the best name. I mean, it's just a disgrace that he should have, like... It should there should be its own video just of of Danny Del Rey. Get Danny Del Rey from Florida to do the music. I mean, who's not going to buy that? Uh, I, I think this could be bigger than uh, the Last Dance. I reckon. <laughs> yeah, the Last Dance is going to hopefully spark a lot of copycat um, documentary uh, movies. Uh, so you have that win against Sig Kilda, um, and then you. Go into the sort of later part of the 92 season, it's become apparent that Footscray are going to play finals. Everyone's getting behind them, the neutrals, I should stress. Um, there's this great day towards the end of the home and away season at the Western Oval, where the Bull, I think it's round 23, and the Bulldogs are playing West Coast on the ultimate Western Oval day. We are talking a oh. windy, bleak, rainy, mud 
bog day. It's low scoring. The Eagles don't even score a goal until the fourth quarter. But there's this great passage of commentary from Bruce McAvaney. He's clearly, I think he's just come back from the 1992 Barcelona games. And Brian Royal kicks the first goal and he says, Maradona, eat your heart out. Brian Royal is in town. Royal off the ground. That's not a bad kick for a goal. Oh, what about that one? Oh. Maradona, eat your heart out. Brian Royal's in town. Chocker. Well, and that does explain why Maradona was called Choco for the later stages of his career. <laughs> to be compared to Brian Royal would definitely be the highlight of his life, old Diego. So you reckon? You reckon? Because <laughs> yeah, I do remember that game. We remember that game of us playing West Coast. West Coast were obviously a, a great side. I'm not sure where they were on the ladder, but uh, I'm not sure if Dougie says it in the video. But the the urban legend is um, they, they'd thumped us in um, Perth earlier. Like as as what always happened at Subiaco on the Wacker, we got absolutely spanked on a Sunday afternoon. And, uh, and even in this video, when I was rewatching it, um, the first goal, it's, it's, you know, we go to uh, Dougie talking about us playing West Coast and he's feeling confident. And then it shows us kicking our first goal in there. But then the scores come up and West Coast are already up by 67 points as we put our first major on the board because uh, it was a hot day and we didn't know what to do. But this was the opposite. Uh, the urban legend is that the Eagles players got off the plane wearing sunglasses and, and singlets. And it was an absolute typical Whitnoval day of just uh, sideways rain, squally breeze, uh, absolutely freezing, mud, all of that. And, yeah, we just uh, – to, to keep a team to – not scoring a goal till the last quarter and and even then to the Eagles. It was genuinely special. I I, I think that would have made me think, hey, we, we could win the premiership here. And that's the thing. That there's these great scenes towards the end. It's uh, I think it may have been their second last or last home game for the season uh, at the Witten Oval because uh, they didn't get home finals at Footscray back then. Um and the scenes of jubilation, it just seems like the scenes of gratitude and jubilation amongst the crowd at Witten Oval uh, celebrating this achievement. And um, I think that's completely understandable given where the club had been. Yeah, it seemed every every game at Witten Oval after 89 was a party uh, celebrating the fact that we were still alive. Um, gave... Uh, the fans a real, I guess, perspective of, uh, you know, not only do we love our club and stuff, but we still have them. All right. Now let's go into the business end of Diamond Dogs. And I think this is the reason why Diamond Dogs is a two-hour feature-length highlights video. Footscray are in the finals. Um, I want to go through the 92 final series with you because uh, uh, it's not as memorable as many people would think. But for a, a young Footscray fan, this is as good as it got as I, and, and for what it's worth, I reckon it probably just sold you on Footscray for the rest of your life. Um, the first one, the qualifying final versus Geelong, Dougie talks about the lead up to it and how everyone is a, such a buzz around the Western Oval and Footscray is becoming everyone's second team and they're getting all the media attention. And this is also where your boy Danny Delray kicks eight goals and the dogs lead uh, by 16 points at half time. Yeah, I remember listening to this uh, on the radio at home and I, I literally can visually remember sitting at the kitchen table 
with it uh, blaring on the radio, and I was trying to, my, I was trying to will the dogs to win by I just had like about a stack of um, of paper, and I was just drawing us win in different ways on all the different bits of paper, and I was drawing the headlines of the newspaper the next day, and I was just trying to help the club by drawing pictures of us winning visualization before I even knew it was a thing. And I remember we were up by over 30 points at some point during that, um, that second quarter and it was feeling very comfortable. And then what do we lose by in the end? It's, it's over 10 goals, isn't yeah, it? Well, it's the a cat, hell of a turnaround the, the, by the, the cat. The cats won by 61 points and uh, Billy Brownless kicked nine. <sighs> yeah, it's uh builds character going for the dogs. <laughs> but, um, what was your go-to radio station when you uh, were listening to the footy? Oh. Uh, Dylan, you're showing your age there because uh, it wasn't uh, – not every game was uh, covered by every radio station. So it was whoever whoever had it, really. So what, what did you listen to the Mum 92? and Dad were always ABC listeners. Yeah. So, so would, would you have been listening to oh, the I, uh, I, 3 hour oh, yeah, would have been – I think it would have been the three hour call because I don't remember any ads. I remember the first time that the first game I remember, uh, actually, do you, do you know what I used to think when I was a kid mm. is uh, they'd always say, you know, that uh, so it's uh, Footscray 72, Adelaide 21 on the uh, Channel 9 scoreboard, on the, on the Herald Sun scoreboard. I remember thinking, I've been at the game. They don't change scoreboards every quarter, <laughs> not understanding what a credit line was. <laughs> If they, I just remember being baffled as to it must be at games I'm not at. They change, they put a whole new scoreboard in with a different logo on there. Were you confused as to where the Synovus vitamin stat sheet was, or uh, the you know Bunnings warehouse replay screen, and all those sorts of things? I also remember being very young and you know how they'd always go around the grounds yeah. and they'd ask, you know, Hey, David Mackay's at Moorabbin and you know, David Mackay would say it's the, the saints by four points at the 13 minute mark. And I'd always go, so someone took a mark for 13 minutes. That's, that's amazing. Can, can I give you something? Uh, if we're talking about football terminologies and confusion over it um, as a youngster, like I'm talking like when I was five or six, um, of course, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, I was young when I thought this, by the way, I wasn't, yeah. you know, this wasn't, I wasn't that dumb. <laughs> um, of course, following Richmond, uh, our sponsor was drink, drive, bloody idiot. And I recall, mm-hmm. I think it was my grandfather having a glass of water before getting in the car. And I was petrified because of the TAC oh. commercials. Cause I thought drink, drive, bloody idiot <laughs> literally meant like if you drink oh, anything. Yep, I think I remember having a go at my dad for for opening a, a can of creamy soda behind the wheel. <laughs> Me just going, "Are you allowed to do that?" Because I think Footscray also had I drink, mean, drive, bloody idiot at the time as one of their sponsors. I see, I see people in the crowd with drink, drive, bloody idiot signs for Footscray as well. Yeah, they were definitely TAC went pretty hard there. I mean, this was the start of the TAC when they they started having those really hard hitting ads of showing people die and people grieving by the side of the road. So they clearly had a had a lot of uh, cash to spend on marketing, and uh, footy sponsorship was clearly part of that. Yes, and the old TAC ads they did not uh, shy away. Back to the ninety two finals. The semi-final must have been a great day. This is where you had that 29-point win over the Saints at Waverley. Footscray is in to the preliminary final. 
and as they've done all season, they've defied the odds. No question about that. They came here as 13 to 8 outsiders and they put it to St Kilda emphatically in the first half. Yeah, I, I, weirdly, I don't have too many memories wow. of this game. I must have been listening uh, on the radio as well. I think, well, you know, I wasn't drawing uh, pictures and being traumatised by <laughs> us blowing a lead. So it's not as formative uh, in my mind as much. But, uh, yeah, we we won. I've, I've looked at the footage and uh, this would have been our first, uh, only our second win in about three decades. So... It, I remember uh, some guys who I played footy with uh, went to the match uh, with their dad, who was a long-suffering uh, Footscray fan, and he was telling me how it was the greatest atmosphere he'd ever been to because, you know, the dogs had won a finals and uh, it was just so uh, exciting. That's really all I remember. I remember being very confident because we'd knocked off St Kilda twice during the season. So it's really we should have won. And uh that was pretty much how I measured uh, things. If we'd beaten them during the season, then we should win. That's why I was, if we played West Coast in that grand final, I was very confident that we'd win because of that match where they didn't score a goal until the last quarter. Makes complete sense. You're only as good as your last encounter, as they say. Um, and then you have to go and play Geelong the following week because it was a final six uh, back then. So for some reason, the, the, the series was very repetitive and you find yourself against the Cats again at the MCG with a pretty similar margin in the prelim. Yeah, well we, we we the theme was repetition and we stuck to it. So we uh you know we played well for a, for a quarter and then uh, capitulated like nobody's business. There is that scene at the end of the uh 92 prelim where the fa- where the Footscray again they do what they did at the Western Oval a few weeks earlier but they go back and thank their fans after what was a pretty bloody good season compared to what they'd been used to. They're going back to their fans behind the goals at the giant scoreboard end of the ground. And that's terrific because a lot of those people put their hands in tins and kept Footscray afloat at the end of 89. Yes, it's been a great comeback by the Bulldogs. Three years down the track and here they are playing in the preliminary final when really a lot of people thought, well, they've survived, but for how long? And it was only a matter of time. They thought, well, it's only for the short term that they've survived, but they really did prove the general public and a lot of the uh, the pundits wrong by staying in the competition, not only staying in it, but becoming a very competitive force and full compliments to the Bulldogs. A great season, 1992. There they go. They're going off the MCG here after the preliminary final. Terry Weir, it looks like he may even have tears in his eyes. I think he'd be a very proud man with the season that the uh, Bulldogs have had, but... A very disappointed man also. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they were good for that. That would have been uh, Terry Wheeler's doing of just uh, acknowledging how... And football and anyone, uh, more than any club, would know that without the fans, you you die. So that would have been a directive uh, probably from Terry Wheeler, who knew all too well how much uh, we owed those people who had you know shared their pensions and whatnot to keep the club alive. The season ends for Footscray. Uh, it's not included in the video, but I want to bring up the subject of Footscray's Mad Monday in 1992. Um, now, there wasn't the fancy dress-ups that the Mad Mondays of these days consist of. It was just a very casual drinks uh, at some pub in Footscray. I think Scott Wine, just before he's putting on his uh, tuxedo at the Brownlow, is in a Penrith Panthers shirt for some reason. Um, but yeah I, um, yeah, I noticed that you sent me the the news of it, and it's it's actually quite uh, wholesome. They're having fish chips at a pub. Yeah, and <laughs> and having uh, and sharing a few 
it's sharing nice. a few jugs of beer together. But um, yeah, the thing, uh, good on the boys. The thing that stands out is uh, Simon Adkins, who uh, had plenty of possessions during the year, but he has he, he had a fair few of his possessions dropped off. Two nights on the town with his mates has been enough for girlfriend Shannon, who delivered his belongings and his eviction notice to the Albert Hotel today. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think that'll work itself out, though. Oh, your kids at the back of the puppy. It certainly is, yeah. It's a bit of a joke, though, I think. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. Specialist coach Robert McGee, a member of Richmond's 73 and 74 Premiership sides, says it's an occupational hazard. Try and find 13 mates in 74. We had 14 divorcees, so... It is, yeah. It's not a uh, surprise. It's not uh, more well-known. So, yeah, he'd, uh, they'd been out for two or three days. Uh, who knows uh, what what they got up to, or what was ingested, or or who, or where he slept, or if he slept, or who knows. I don't want to cast any uh, aspersions. Um, but uh, yeah, his girlfriend comes to the pub, brings all the possessions in a very it's a the cliche breakup of just putting it all there on the you know th- throwing it out. But the boys take humour. Simon Atkins himself. Uh, <laughs> Says, oh no, we'll be right. I've, I should find out if he um, if if he stayed with that 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 lady. <laughs> it would be the great. end. It'd be great to know. I do love at the bit of the. I do love the bit at the end of the uh, news report. You, Danny Delray's like, oh, you know, hopefully something comes good of it. And then I think Eddie Maguire, who was on Channel Ten at the time as the newsreader, was like, come on. Give him another chance. <laughs> We're just sitting here having a few drinks and you want to see the dry cleaner come through and, and uh, what do you call it, the uh, wash machine and his golf clubs and uh, the poor blokes have been kicked out of home. But uh, uh, I think the girls should understand. I mean, it's very do it once, once in a year and that's it. But uh, oh well. <laughs> Give him another chance. Yeah. <laughs> What's also great in that footage you put up is uh, Eddie Maguire. Uh, he does something that not a lot of uh, newscasters do, but I'm, I'm absolutely not surprised, Ed, of uh, just putting his opinion in uh, but, but after every story. And the story behind, in front of it, is clearly a Brownlow preview. Mm. And Eddie claims quite confidently that Dunstall will win the Brownlow uh, that night and Mick McGuan will come second. Well... I disagree. I think Jason Dunstall will win for Mick McGuan and Paul Ruse. Scotty Wine, mate. He dominated. It's not that this video will tell you that, but he did. About Danny Delray so much. There was the reverse of Danny Delray in Tony Campbell, who was our fullback, who famously was one of the first players to wear a glove. Um, but he he had a brilliant season that year and never really uh, reached those heights again. So we had we were bookended by two guys playing the absolute season of their lives and cult heroes, Tony Campbell and Danny Del Rey. I feel remiss that we haven't talked about Tony Campbell, but he was a spectacular fullback. And, and this is in a period where he would have you know, had to take on Dunstall, Lockett, Ablett, uh, probably take on Delray in intra-club matches. So mm. it's he really had to work hard. Dunstall, Lockett, Ablett, Delray. I like it. I like the sentencing. I like your perspective. Diamond Dogs 1992. How do you rate it overall? Uh, as a as a video, it's uh, it's probably it's not the the greatest. It's got very repetitive uh, music. And, uh... And graphics and uh, Dougie Dougie offers some uh, good insights, but he does look uh, not comfortable uh, wearing the, the shirt and tie. But uh, it's it's the best for for what it, for for what it was. Um, the season will always hold a, a special place in my heart. It was the first time I felt uh, genuine hope as a Bulldogs fan, 
and uh, and also first time I felt uh, genuine finals agony, which uh, was it was good to learn that early because uh, if I could go back and tell uh, young Danny McGinley, uh, who's devastated we lost the prelim, I would just be telling him that yeah, it gets so much worse, mate. Oh, Danny, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on chatting about Diamond Dogs 1992. Thanks for joining us at the Australian Football Video Film Festival. Thank you. I look forward to doing Hot Dogs 94 with you anytime. A huge thank you to Danny McGinley there, talking about Diamond Dogs Footscray in 1992. And of course, the if you want to watch Diamond Dogs 1992, the two-hour epic that it is, uh, the YouTube link is available in the podcast description. This has been the Australian Football Video Film Festival with thanks to our partners, leaguetees.com.au. My name is Dylan Leach. Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, uh, feel free to give us a like on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at AFV Film Festival. That's all one word. And please leave us a review and spread the word that we are celebrating excellence in football cinema each and every week. In the next edition, well, this is a really exciting one because Shannon Gill from The Greatest Season That Was 1993 podcast it's got to go back 10 years earlier to that was the season that was 1983 and it is a ripping chat. So look forward to having Gilly on next week. Thanks to my producer, Nick Bleeker, and of course our major sponsor, leaguetees.com.au, the best football merchandise in town. This has been the Australian Football Video Film Festival. My name's Dylan Leach and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>